You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, welcome back to Flying the Call. Sorry I missed yesterday for this two-week daily new episode celebration, but I'm making it up to you with two great episodes today. This one is up just in time for lunch for you East Coasters, and the next one will be up by the time you clock out of work for the day. Today's first guest is The Big Easy, whose debut album, A Long Year, as well as the epilogue single, All Saints Day, sound just like a DIY show in the best possible way. For broad strokes purposes, The Big Easy is a killer indie punk band. But to leave it at that would be limiting the scope of the sounds on the record. Comparisons can be made to Prince Daddy and the Hyena, Proper, and all the way out to Wild Pink or some of the more gritty pop-punk bands. This results from the desire to bring together all types of music in a natural way without thinking about what mold the band should fit into. Our discussion hits on capturing a lo-fi sound and energy without sacrificing quality, a long year's journey from project to something tangible that listeners can put their own thoughts and feelings onto, to what's next for the band and how they're ensuring to continue not to be pigeonholed. Enjoy. I know that the title all along year isn't in reference to 2020, but I feel like the name, you know, obviously fit the mood. And I'm curious, like what you think the general state of the world, kind of how that affected the way the album was received. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it probably did. I want to say it made it feel better or anything like that, but I think that, you know, a lot of people would talk, about the album and one of the first things they would say is in reference to 2020 and a long year and how they kind of like coincide you know that's not what i meant at all when i named the title that i feel like i named it a long year before 2020 became a long year (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no i I ultimately think it just kind of gave it a a little spice you know because it came out at the end of the year as well so people can always kind of point to that and it, and it, and it kind of maybe uh, benefited it a little bit. Cause now it kind of became a record that in some weird way signifies 2020. Um, even though it has really nothing to do with that at all. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how like, I feel like a lot of records in the last year kind of feel like they tapped into that like ether of what was to come. <laughs> right. I mean, it's weird. I just think that, you know, 2020 is something that was on everyone's mind. All I mean, it really was a long year for everyone. So it's hard to even, it's hard to even intake like new art or new stuff that year because that's, that's also, it's within the framework of 2020. And so, you know, when you're working with that framework, everything, you can, you're going to draw some kind of similarities between 
uh, the year in which something comes out and, you know, uh, the, the, the art that's being delivered. So, you know, it, it was, it, it was weird. Cause I mean, I, seeing a lot of people, like the, one of the first things people will talk about is 2020 and like the title and how it feels like they kind of coincide, which is cool to see. It wasn't, it wasn't any of my intention though. I was kind of just like, Oh, well, I guess that's a happy coincidence. <laughs> like, I was like, fine, I'll take it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I mean, with like kind of being, having that kind of removal from the events, uh, you know, that the record is discussing, I'm curious, like how your relation kind of changed to it during, you know, the writing and recording process, or even now that it's like released. Uh, well, I think that what's, in, what's an interesting bit about that record in the year that it was released was um, the fact that, you know, there are no live shows and the record has a very live sound. And so, you know, I think that was such kind of like a weird, like relationship between that year and that record, because it maybe in some weird way, it gave people the sound of an actual live show that they've been, you know, itching to go to for so long, but they couldn't because of the circumstances. But how my relationship with the record changed after it came out. I mean, it, I mean, I, it's just kind of like you, it, when something becomes an, an actuality, you view it a little different. And I kind of view it as almost, it's hard to say, you know, cause when I was writing that record and kind of putting it together, I was telling myself, it has to be the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, it's our first record. So it like this hat, like if we're going to just come out with something, it's got to be the best thing I've ever done up until this point in my life. So, um, you know, looking back on it, I'm super happy with it. And now I look at it as kind of like, you know, like my baby. <laughs> um, Cause I wrote so many songs like years ago, trying to find like the right fit. So, I mean, before the record came out, it was a project I was working on, like a really important project in my life that I dedicated pretty much all 2020 to. After it came out, it's now just like, like my, my child, <laughs> for lack of better words. Like, I don't really, it's weird to kind of like, like I have it framed, that, if that means anything. <laughs> so yeah, I will view it as more like, you know, kind of like, you know, my first, my first real thing. So I think it's more, like, I view it differently, like more like a baby than, than anything, which is, I think, kind of weird, but, you know. Nice. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the the sound of it, which I feel like obviously that's kind of like a signature, a signature style. I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned like wanting to bring the live feel to it, but how did you kind of go about, you know, the creation of that sound and what was like the process like for building it? Well, so when we got in the studio, you know, I was so, like, I was um, like at the time I was really in love with um, like lo-fi. I love lo-fi like bands and lo-fi in your rock and stuff like that because to me it gave music so much character. You know, I was never really a fan of kind of just like, you know, super clean, you know, pop songs when everything is so like like studio stuff, you know what I mean? And so I was like, well, I want it to sound raw and I want it to sound like I want it to sound like we're playing in the room with you. So some of the process that we did was we 
really tried to capture the space and like the, the sound of the room. One thing that I always tried to keep in mind though, upon that was not sacrificing the quality of, of the sound just for, just, for something to, just for something to be cool. You know, sometimes there are ideas that are cool, but don't necessarily sound the best, but you do the cool idea and you are, you know, sacrificing the quality of the sound or whatever to, to do this super cool idea that like isn't, isn't really doing any favors to the music. That's like cooler for the story. <laughs> right. It's cooler for the story, not so much for like the sound or the listener and or anything like that. And that's something I tried to keep in mind as well. Um, granted, like, I know this record, I know what this record sounds like. And I know that it sounds like, it sounds very specific to what it is, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but um, I wanted to give it some character because I love the bands that, that did that. I love artists and, and like musicians who just kind of have like shittier sounding stuff, but still kind of come through. And like, it to me just gave the music so much more character than just like some clean kind of uh, studio like polished type of recording um, but I want to find a way to blend it too in a way that you know it still has such a raw like lo-fi live sounding album but still was very like bright where it needed to be and you know audible where it needs to be and um, to kind of blend both the sounds so that it could be it's like easier for listener to digest, but also the point that we're trying to come across is the point that we're trying to make and we're going to talk about what we want things to sound like is still being conveyed. Yeah, I think that the the overall sound kind of gives it this really cool cohesion that, you know, with all the kind of genre blending and jumping around that you do, it kind of allows it to still feel like the singular piece. Right, right, exactly. And, and like, that's something that's super important when, when, you know, when you have a record that everything sounds together, everything like, you know, some records where, you know, the band will see like two or three different, you know, engineers and then put a record out that way. And some, some bands are able to do that and that's fine. For me, I felt that us coming up with a cohesive like sound would help blend, you know, all the songs together, even though I do feel each song has its own kind of vibe. Yeah, I think each song is kind of like its own, um, like and not every song sounds the same. Some songs will sound similar, but I always felt like every song had its own vibe. But by keeping the sound together, even with the different vibes, it still sounds like they're all part of one package. For sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, was that like anything that you were kind of like anxious about, like kind of doing that that genre blending and kind of, you know, not necessarily giving people, you know, a, a foothold to kind of like be like, okay, this is a pop punk band. This is an indie band. This is a emo band, whatever. <laughs> I, honestly, all right. So it's so funny that the genre blending thing is a, one of the, one of the topics of discussion when talk, when people talk about this record, because that's not something I really, really thought about. And, and I never like, it's hard to say, I think about it, but for me, I just love so many different styles of music and I never wanted, I never, like at all, I, I never wanted to be pigeonholed into one specific sound. So that just came natural, that just came natural for the record and writing the record. I never really thought of like deliberately um, 
going for this genre or that genre or that genre. I was just like, I want to write a song that sounds like this. I want to write a song that sounds like this and then has this part in it. Now I want to write a song that sounds like this. And so I never really thought of what it may seem like. Because honestly, I can't even really tell you the genres in which the record is. I just have my own idea of what it is. And I've been seeing what other people think about it. And like their ideas of what the genre was is not mine. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, like pop punk. I've never considered the Big Easy a pop punk band ever. That's just not what I thought we sounded like. I know. But then like I'm seeing a lot of people call us a pop punk band. I'm like, well, what's what do you mean pop punk? Like blink? So I don't I don't want to sound like blink when he or something like that. Like to, to me, that was that's pop punk. And like genres blend and change over time. We all have our idea of what a genre should sound like or what a genre may even be, or what a song or, or what something, or what genre something sounds like. And so like, to me, I was like, oh, like, this is just like a indie rock, lo-fi, you know, kind of punk album, right? And then like, I see everyone else talking about it and people are calling it something different. And I'm like, oh, damn, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes to the genres, I, 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 I just, I love the idea of not being pigeonholed in anything, but, um, it's something that I think just came natural in the process of writing the record because I think of, you know, the love that I have for so many different albums. Yeah. And I think that kind of also like goes along with that, that comparison of it being a project before it was released to it being your baby. Now that it's out, like, you know, when during the incubation period, it's like, you know, that's, it's solely yours. Like you're the one, you're the only one affecting it. But then once it it's born, it's like that anyone can kind of put their own uh, thoughts and feelings onto it. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's awesome. You know, it, it's a great thing. And I think that like, you know, this is the first time the big easy has really like, I mean, it's our debut record and it's the first time, um, there's, you know, more than like our friends talking about the band. <laughs> so you're seeing, you're seeing what people think about it and, you know, that don't know you, that haven't met you. And so it's kind of like they're hopefully their true opinions on, you know, what they think about it. And um, it, it kind of, for me, it was more humbling than anything. It was like, shit, like, okay, this is awesome. And, you know, when it's a pro like you said like when it's a project you really you don't know you really don't know what people are going to think of it you know i i think that what we're putting out is good <laughs> because there are more songs that i have not put out because i did not think they were good <laughs> but um yeah it's just uh it's just a very humbling but weird experience you know Sure. And I mean, I think the, your lyricism is also something that, you know, I really connect with, you know, you often deal with, you know, these kind of sad and painful emotions, but I, I feel like there's a certain objectivity in it that kind of prevents you from sounding kind of like a sad sack. It's more kind of like, you're just telling, you're just telling it like it is. Um, can you talk a little about kind of your approach to lyric writing? Yeah. So uh, this is another thing that I think a lot of people have been, um, disgusting in regards to this record too when it comes to lyrics it's like i always so for me like there's always a lot of like you know realness and, and thought behind uh, what i'm gonna say um, and it wasn't always that way when i first started writing songs i was pretty much just like telling stories 
like making up shit and whatnot. But um, as you know, I got older and, and we did this record. Um, a lot of those lyrics, you know, really do come from day to day stuff. So like, you know, I think that's kind of what helps making make makes lyrics uh, relatable. You know, when you when you have something to say about the mundane things or those really awkward and highly specific feelings that people get in highly specific situations. And while like I may mention a highly specific situation that someone may not have uh, experienced, but they may have experienced something similar and had you know, the exact same emotion behind it. So you know, you know what's being talked about. And my whole idea with writing lyrics was to kind of like make them by conveying, by conveying highly specific, I think, emotions that are very situational, but also very true, um, you get very, very relatable lyrics that people like gravitate to. And, and that was, those are the lyrics that I typically gravitate towards. So that's kind of like what my thought process was. So like my process of writing lyrics, like honestly, like I have like, I had a whiteboard in my room when we were, when I was working on the strike, I had a whiteboard in my room and anything that would just come to mind or like a one liner I thought would sound cool that would fit in, the, in some aspect of a song, I'd write it down or like my day to day or like if I'm just, if I hear something or if I think of something that I think might sound cool, like I, I'll write it down. And uh, when it comes to like putting lyrics together, I'll have, or when it comes to writing a song or putting lyrics together for a song, I will first think about all right, what am I trying to talk about? What emotion am I trying to convey? What's the theme of the song? Once you have the theme, or at least once for me, once I have the theme or the emotion that I'm wanting to convey, then the words kind of come easier because now, you know, the words, I guess, I guess the words like, it's just, it's just a lot, it's just an easier experience because you know the words that kind of come with certain emotions, but Sometimes um, it's capturing that emotion first before um, putting pen to paper. So that, that's kind of like what my thought process was behind it. You know, try to make something that is meaningful and like truthful to you, but also very relatable in regards to the emotions in which you're trying to convey. Yeah, that, that makes sense what you're saying about kind of like that, that preparation stage. It's like kind of giving yourself a frame of reference uh, to like work like of what area you're working in <laughs> right right and like the whole record has a has a general theme so yeah, to be honest it wasn't that hard coming up with themes for different songs you know what I mean? <laughs> like a lot of them have to do with the same emotion but i think you know with the record there's like levels to that emotion you know there's like there's a difference between being like you know angsty and and you know upset there's a difference between you know being filled with sorrow or, you know, being depressed. Like they, there's overlap between all these, but they all are, they all are still very different emotions and you can keep the theme because there's so much overlap, but every song can have its own vein within the, within the theme in regards to the emotion that is being conveyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of like the, people connecting to hyper-specificity of stuff, which is something that is always like so interesting to me because I'm certainly that way as well. But I'm curious, are there any like 
uh, particular songs or lines that you've seen people seem to really latch onto that you weren't necessarily expecting or didn't think there would be like that overlap? Uh, <laughs> oh, I wish I could really give you a more detailed answer on that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played a show in like a year. So That's fair. <laughs> I haven't seen like like the true honest reactions about like what <laughs> lyrics and what songs and people like highly like respond to or sing back to to us but um from what i do know um just from like you know people that like reached out and talked to me and stuff like that i think that like when it comes to like the lyrics that people i think like remember or talk about the most and this is like my friends really (laughs) is um uh fake it till i make it where you know, fell asleep on the train last night, blah, 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 blah. And like, that's like highly specific, right? Like, you know, you know we're, we're a Brooklyn-based band. We're hopping on subways all the time. Falling asleep on a, on a subway is very common. And I think like that's such a line that everyone like here knows. <laughs> so like that's the line where people would be like, oh, like I love that, like, you know, little, I love the lyrics and, you know, uh, fake it till I make it and I'll be like okay it's probably because of like those verses or whatnot but um I think that like when it comes to like the hyper you know specific um lines or situations in those songs I would say fake it till I make it definitely it might be the one that shines out the most on the record gotcha <laughs> I, I think for me kind of those last three tracks are like my favorite section of the album like New Year's Day feels like so much of a closer to me that the first few listens I was kind of caught off guard that it wasn't the end of the album right 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 but you know as things went on I kind of that grouping started to feel kind of more connective and maybe even like contemplative to me um and I'm curious like what can you tell me about those songs and kind of their relationship to each other um well fake it till I make it I'm sorry um New Year's Day uh, we, I was like on the fence of putting that as a first song on the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's because like that weird intro um, and then it goes into like, you know, a full band stuff. I thought that would be such a crazy way to catch people off guard as an album, like introduction. Uh, I thought, but then eventually I, I decided on you know all fun because New Year's Day would have been a, a bit too ambitious for that. <laughs> But um, I think that, like, I put those three together because I feel like those three songs kind of, like, like you, I guess, like, kind of like, I, like you said, um, helped carry out the album. Like, I put, I, when I was doing ra- uh, Rodeo, I knew that was going to be an album closer. Like, that one, I know, like, this is probably going to be the last song on the album. If it makes the album, it's going to be the last song. And then something to do... I didn't know I was even going to put it on the record until I was like building a track list. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to go on, but eventually I felt like, you know, it's something, it was a song that was so different and a different side of, you know, our sound. I think it, I thought it was important to, to have, you know, people be able to hear that one too uh, in that regard. But to, to, to be completely honest, like, those three songs put together at the end was only kind of done by chance. Like when I was putting together the album listing, it was like, this just feels right. These three at the end, it goes New Year's Day, something to do, rodeo. That's the, that seems like the way the album should end. 
but there wasn't like there's never really a pure thought process behind it because I'm I was trying different track listings and listening to different ways and I was I narrowed it down to three and then two and then that one just flowed the best but I'm glad that you think they those three go together because that means I did my job well <laughs> <laughs> for sure I, I'm I feel like All Saints Day, you know, the the newest release kind of feels like this really great postscript to the album. And, you know, even if maybe not as much a step forward as a step like towards moving forward or something like mentality wise. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how that one came together? So that was the last song I wrote for the album, I believe, because I wrote 15 songs. We finished and recorded 15 songs. And I had to narrow it down to 11 for the album. So New Year, so yeah, All Saints Day was a song that you know I had and you know recorded in that in that session, and it was the last one I wrote. And like when I wrote it, I was like, I love this song. I think this song is like super good, and I I really want to show this to people. But when upon building the record, it it didn't quite fit. I didn't see a place for it at all, you know, because that song is so, there's a lot going on. It's so dramatic at the end, you know? And I was like, there's no real place on the record for a big song with like a long guitar solo at the end. I was like, there's no place for that on this record, I don't think. And, and, And like I said, it was the last one that I wrote for it. So to me, it always felt like the final chapter. It was like, okay, you got the first book of the record, but you never really got the like the true conclusion of it. And I felt that All Saints Day was that without me realizing until you know the plans for the record were coming out and was going on. I was like, well, this song feels like it needs to be on its own. And it needs to. It feels like it should be not on the record, but it should come out after as like, like the like symbolic ending of a long year. So like, it's it like officially, obviously it's not the end of the, it's not the ending of the record. But for me, it was always like a spiritual ending of, you know, a long year, that whole kind of like stretch in which the album was, you know, loosely regarded to. And I mean, I guess kind of looking forward now that, I mean, you said how a long year you felt had to be the best thing that you've ever done. I'm curious, kind of like, where, where do you go from here? Where's your mindset at with uh, future music? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, All over the place, to be honest. I guess this is like, this is something I've been thinking about now because, you know, now that the record's out, you know, that's, really the next thing to think about like okay how are we going to follow up with you know a long year and to me um what's important about this time is i feel like we have to decide what what band do we want to be i made the decision that like i said to you before i did not want to be pigeonholed into um, one specific genre of a band so my thought process you know, behind anything moving forward is just to continuously um, be changing and evolving. So when it comes to new music or not, like I'm really all over the place with it, even more so than I am 
well, I was when we did a long year. And because, you know, to me, the, a long year is still like, it, it, it may blend other genres and stuff, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's still like pretty much just like an indie punk record. And, you know, well, that's great. And I'm so happy to deliver that. That's not necessarily what I think, you know, this band should be for the remainder of our, uh, you know, the rest of our career, you know, we've been doing this. So, you know, my thought process behind what's moving, what's moving forward is really expanding my, you know, expanding my, my horizons in regards to what I listen to, um, what I'm writing about, um, instruments that I play. And I've been doing a lot to expand my, and just be better, you know, myself. So, um, like the demos that I have right now already sound, you know, very different than, than uh, you know, a long year. And like the, the music that I'm listening to now, I'm, I'm, I'm like listening to stuff I wasn't listening to back when I was writing, you know, a long year. Like I'm even listening to like freaking like reggae and stuff like that. Stuff like that I never really dove into like jazz and reggae and bossa nova and like a hell of a lot of Japanese in the rock. <laughs> oh yeah. Love it. <laughs> a hell of a lot of it. Like it's been almost nonstop. And I'm just been, you know, diving into so many different uh, styles and genres that and to me, uh, the bands that have the most longevity are the bands that are able to, you know, uh, evolve and change their sound and, you know, be always moving forward. For, like for me, those are the bands that tend or when I see it, they, they're the bands that tend to, you know, exist the longest when they stretch their horizons whether or not they be for better or for worse to me it doesn't really matter um because evolving your sound for me is so important um, in regards to creating art because if i did the same thing over and over i would feel like there's no growth and i wouldn't reach as many people and my goal is to do something that's fun, which is, you know, doing new stuff and learning and to reach as many people as I can, which would help, which would help to have like, you know, and a bigger range of sounds and, and uh, you know, art. And I guess, you know, having that mentality as well. So I just hope that whatever, whatever sound we sound like later or after is obviously better than what we have now, but I do want to be able to deliver so many different ranges of musics per album that it's going to be hard to say, oh, this band is this, you know? And that's my thought process moving forward in regards to writing new music. For sure. And you mentioned both Boss Nova and Japanese music. So I have to ask if you uh, have heard Pizzicato 5. No, I have not, but I need to write that down. The International Playboy Playgirl record is like one of my favorites. And it, uh, I think in the States it came out on Matador. They're very good. I, I really dig that album a lot. It, I don't know if you know the video game Katamari Damashi. Yes, I do. Yeah, the, the soundtrack of that is one of my favorites. And I feel like their music kind of fits in with that as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. The International Playboy Playgirl record? Yeah. Nice. That's such a ridiculous name. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, got it. Okay, cool. Great, great, great. What and what do they sound like? Uh, I mean, they're kind of like 
I think the genre is called Shibuya K, which is like pop music mixed with like bossa nova mixed with like other weird like indie shit like i don't know it's it's kind of all over the place but it's really great <laughs> right right that's awesome yeah i mean i was i was uh like maybe two years ago um we we did south by and i we i got introduced to this band named chai have you heard of chai oh yeah yeah one of the writers for the alternative like really loves them right and yeah i've, and I've checked them out and i dig them too <laughs> yeah they're awesome and like I think that like it's a, there's such a big scene out in Japan that I think is so awesome, and like I'd be telling my manager, I'm like, yo, like, can you get get us big over there? Like, <laughs> can we start? Cause I want a reason to go to Japan. So <laughs> I want to be able to like find a fan base out there. It looks like the indie rock scene is so huge out there, and I and from what I've been hearing, you know, coming out of there has, has been awesome, and that's it's a majority of what I've been listening to today. So, and, we, and I feel like we don't talk about it enough over here, but there's so many awesome bands out there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the early casualties of the pandemic was the Origami Angel tour that was supposed to go on over in Japan. And like, mm. I feel like that must've been so disappointing oh <laughs> for their fans. Yeah, over there. <laughs> I, I, ended up, I ended up buying one of the shirts that the uh, booking agency had printed that they weren't able to sell because of it. <laughs> it was like with shipping, it was like 50 bucks, but it was like so worth it. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm sure that band will, they'll definitely get their shot to go, yeah, to, to go over there for sure. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you want to share, whether it's music or life or anything else. Um, oof. Well, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say this, that like, right as we're, we're kind of wrapping up here, like I just got like a bunch of texts from my friends that were like, you know, this is, this is a good start. This is what we got. And I'm thinking, okay, so what's up in my mind right now is obviously, you know, what the verdict was going to be for the Derek Chauvin uh, trial in regards to, you know, the killing of George Floyd. So forgive me if I've been like kind of like out of whack because that's been on my mind right now. And I haven't been able to take a look at it because you and I have been talking, which is good. Cause like, you know, that, that shit, you know, needs to get out of my head for at least like a small amount of time. Um, but I just got a bunch of texts saying like, it's a good day or, you know, a good start. And I would say that like, it's just kind of funny and kind of weird that like you asked me how I'm feeling right now, right. As I got that text. So it's just kind of like, it's not like a, not like a happy feeling or anything like that. But I would say if I have to say any bit of advice is that like, you know, one of the big things that the big easy, especially, you know, with what happened in 2020, um, I started to make it a point that, you know, I was going to use the platform for the Big Easy to speak out against things that, you know, I, or injustice that I believe is wrong and, and things like that. So, and to make more of a point of it because I, I, I didn't in the past. And like, I was guilty of, you know, remaining silent when, when I, I felt like I should have been. And this is something that like recently I've been making the change in myself so if you're going if you're going to allow me this opportunity to um to speak on it then I will just say if I'm going to give any advice to anyone I would say you know don't be afraid to stand up for what you think is wrong to be honest you know I I made a decision to start using my platform 
just just start speaking out against things and it only it's only helped me and it's only helped you know the big easy as a band so i would say for anyone you know do what you can and don't feel weird or 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 strange or ashamed to speak out about against like any injustice or things that you know you believe in because i mean i feel like the more people speaking out against something that is wrong the better and it's only only good will come from it is what i'm saying for sure very well said um and to that end are there any um particular causes or organizations that you would like to shout out oh i wish i had some off the top of my head i know uh minneapolis probably their bell fund would be a good thing to start with um in that city things have you know they've had a wild ride and that's actually where you know our label was from forge artifacts shout out to them they're amazing label they took the time to put out our record and i remember we had a discussion me and matt matt linden who's the owner of the label we had a discussion about you know the record and you know what we we're going to do with it and we were pretty much like working at the deal to get signed uh to, you know put out the record through forge artifacts and it was the very week of the of the george floyd killing and um, that was majority of our conversation and they're based in minneapolis and you know obviously also what's happening to Minneapolis recently has not been great either so that city could definitely use some help right now so if i'm going to mention anything i'll just go ahead and say that i can't really think of anything else off the top of my head but you know i'm sure anyone who's going to listen to what to say about this will go ahead and do the research to uh find any resources that they can help out to if whatever ones they choose to but off the top of my head i'd say you know let's let's, let's look at Minneapolis right now because they need us <laughs> For sure, for sure. I mean, is there anything that we haven't hit on yet that you've been uh, really wanting to get out there? No, I mean, I just want to thank you know you for having for having us. Thank the thank my team. I could not have done this without Forge Artifacts or Jamie from No Earbuds. You know, the rest of the members of the Biggies couldn't join me today, but you know, they're the greatest to ever do it as well. And just anyone who supported us, like I just I'm just super humbled. Um, with this experience because 2020 was a real turnaround for the big easy we weren't like doing like <laughs> i feel like we were kind of getting started but no one really gave a fuck about the big easy at all and now just to hear people like talk about us and ask about us and want to even have a conversation about the record is to me like the what like the best thing you know that you know you can ask for as a musician so if i if i put if, if i feel like i haven't been thankful enough then i would just say thank you to everyone who's been there for us right now because it's been an awesome ride and we're just looking forward to to just putting out more more quality there we go a day late but not a dollar short because this conversation is worth its weight in gold please check out the big easy if a long year hasn't come across your playlist yet because it's one hell of an album i'm so stoked to see what's next for the band and also can't wait to check in with y'all again this evening with another great conversation Find the call is brought to you by sound talent media a special thank you as always to the alternative for helping to promote the show Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to speak out what you see injustices. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.